0: That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon.
1: On September 12, 1928, 42 year old Henry Martin noticed a brief warning at the bottom of Florida's Palm Beach Post. A tropical disturbance had formed out in the Atlantic Ocean. No one knew where the storm was heading, but there was a chance it could hit the mainland.
2: If it did, Henry's farm on the shores of Lake Okeechobee could be in danger. The massive body of water was prone to floods. But he didn't pay the storm warning much mind. Henry
1: and his family had tufted out through many storms before, and they could do it again.
2: At least, that's what he thought.
1: 5,000 miles away, a wave of superheated air blasted off from the hot Saharan desert in Africa. The breeze blew westward across the warm ocean waters. Moisture began to rapidly evaporate as the air pressure dropped, the beginnings of a tropical depression, and it was gaining power fast.
2: Soon it would make its way across the ocean to Florida. Henry Martin and the other residents of Belle Glade had no idea that in just four days time, their lives would be forever changed.
1: And their town, would be completely destroyed.
2: Welcome to Natural Disasters, a ParCast Original. I'm your host, Kate.
1: And I'm Tim. Every Monday, we'll explore the moments in history when the natural world turned deadly. You can find all episodes of Natural Disasters and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Natural Disasters for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Natural Disasters in the search bar.
2: At ParCast, we are grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Par-cast Network.
1: And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help.
2: This is our first of two episodes on the Okeechobee Hurricane of 1928. It was one of the deadliest storms ever recorded in the North Atlantic Basin, causing widespread damage, economic loss, and countless deaths across South Florida and the Caribbean.
1: This week, we'll explore the region around Lake Okeechobee and track the hurricane from its origin in the Atlantic all the way to its unexpected arrival on the Florida coast.
2: Next week, we'll stick with the hurricane as it surprises the townspeople of Belle Glade. We'll follow along as the residents struggle to survive and examine the complexities and hardships faced in the aftermath of the disaster.
1: Henry Martin was a tall, well-built man with a deeply lined face. As a native of Fort Meade, Florida, he was an expert on best farming practices in the region and how to manage flood-ridden fields.
2: In 1919, when Henry was 33, he made the approximately 80-mile journey from Fort Meade to visit his brother near Lake Okeechobee. When he arrived at the lake, Henry couldn't believe his eyes. If he didn't know it was landlocked, he might have believed it was an ocean.
1: Named by the native Seminole people, Okeechobee means the big water, and big water it was.
2: Around 730 square miles in size, Lake Okeechobee is the seventh largest freshwater lake in the United States. It's so big that it can easily be seen from space.
1: It's also extremely shallow, averaging about nine feet deep. This means that during heavy rains, the lake tends to overflow and flood the surrounding low-lying fields.
2: Just like the hurricanes in the sky above, it's hard to predict where the waters of Okeechobee will flow next. But when the flooding recedes, it leaves behind a rich, blackened field of soil.
1: When Henry Martin saw this enriched earth back in 1919, he could practically feel the dollar bills filling his pocket. He knew if he moved his family to Lake Okeechobee, he'd be hitting literal pay dirt. Two years later, he bought some land and got things settled for the rest of his family.
2: While Henry was a family man through and through, he was a gambler at heart, and the move to Okeechobee was the biggest wager of his life. Blinded by the potential windfall, he didn't consider the disadvantages of farming near such an unpredictable body of water. He'd be at the mercy of tropical storms and their accompanying floods. This oversight would prove fatal when one of the deadliest hurricanes of all time came swinging right into Henry's backyard.
1: But for the moment, the future was looking bright. By 1923, Henry's new farm was established and the rest of his family was ready to join him.
2: Henry's wife, Bessie May, was used to her husband getting excited about his business endeavors, but she wasn't so sure about the move.
1: As they headed towards their new home, they crammed themselves into a boat to cross the lake. Looking out over the calm, shallow waters, Bessie May felt a pit in her stomach. Something about the vast lake made her nervous, but she tried to shake the feeling as they arrived at their stilt-supported farmhouse.
2: Most of the properties around the lake were built on stilts because of the periodic flooding. Bessie Mae was Florida-born and raised. She was familiar with the area's heavy rains and flooding, and she'd always believed that building houses so close to the lake seemed to be tempting fate. Putting houses
1: on stilts wasn't the only safety precaution against flooding. A dike, or earthen barrier, was built around the lake's edge. Rising a few feet above the shore, the dike would keep the houses safe if the water level raised. In case the lake did overflow, a new system of irrigation pumps worked around the clock to pump water out of the fields.
2: And yet, Bessie Mae Martin still wasn't convinced their new house would be safe. However, she loved her husband, and she didn't want to dash Henry's dreams. What's more, the kids were all excited about the move, except for seven-year-old Thelma Martin who had a terrible fear of water.
1: According to her father Henry, hard work, honor, and faith were the three most important traits a person could exhibit. He wasn't going to let anything, not even some flooding, stop him from achieving success.
2: There was no time to think about potential dangers. He had a business to run, and the harvest was fast approaching.
1: But even with his family helping him, Henry needed more workers. He found them in the form of Caribbean migrants.
2: Like many of the people who came to America, the workers were in search of a better life. But that was easier said than done. While Henry Martin treated his workers with respect and gave them decent pay, he was the exception to the norm. Most of the time, non-white migrants were forced to work for meager wages and had to live in squalid conditions. In
1: 1923, Florida was highly segregated. Memories from the Civil War still lingered and racial tension was rife.
2: In Lake Okeechobee, whites lived in the quality housing in the nice section of town, while black people and other minorities were relegated to living in isolated shanty towns,
1: These poorly built homes wouldn't stand a chance in the face of a powerful storm, but the people living in them didn't have the luxury of planning for the future. They had to worry about simply getting through each day.
2: For a while, they were able to get by without any major issues. When the rains got heavy, the dike was able to keep the lake from overflowing. That false sense of security brought even more people down to Lake Okeechobee's fertile shores.
1: Throughout the early 1920s, people flocked from the north to seek their fortunes in the Sunshine State. The warm weather, easygoing lifestyle, and financial opportunities were extremely attractive to people looking for a new start.
2: New towns, farms, and building projects were popping up throughout Florida. The rich, fertile soil surrounding Lake Okeechobee was a huge draw to farmers like Henry Martin.
1: Soon, a bustling economy had sprouted all along the lake's shores, and all that stood between the city and destruction was a modest earthen dike.
2: And before too long, it would face its first real test.
1: Coming up, the defenses around Lake Okeechobee get put through their paces.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be.
2: Despite the danger posed by storms and flooding, Florida's new towns were booming in the 1920s. With some of the most fertile land in the state, people were descending on Lake Okeechobee to build farms and seek their fortunes. Among
1: them was Florida native Henry Martin, whose family had arrived in Lake Okeechobee in 1923. The Martin's land occupied a stretch between the lake's southern shore and the Florida Everglades. It was full of rich soil, ripe for planting, and
2: ripe for disaster.
1: In September 1926, a Category 4 hurricane barreled through Miami, surprising its unprepared residents.
2: With winds at a minimum of 130 miles per hour, it's hard to imagine how such a powerful storm could have arrived so unexpectedly. But at the time, there wasn't much in the way of weather tracking technology. Most storm reports were based on eyewitness accounts alone. For the
1: 1926 hurricane, Miami-based forecaster Richard Gray predicted the fast-moving storm would sidestep Florida. Believing they were safe, people weren't ready when the hurricane hit the city.
2: The destruction in Miami was catastrophic. Entire buildings were destroyed. 372 lives were lost, with another 811 reported missing. Over 43,000 people were left homeless and hopeless.
1: The damage was even worse up the coast along Lake Okeechobee. As the hurricane hurled up the Florida peninsula, powerful winds blew in all directions. Heavy rain pounded the ground, and the dikes surrounding the lake broke, sending floodwaters surging into town.
2: Although the storm caused a lot of damage to his fields, Henry Martin's property wasn't permanently ruined. Luckily, the wind direction had kept most of the water away from his land. But his neighbors weren't so lucky. Many of them were killed in the floods.
1: It was a dramatic wake-up call for the new residents who had moved there for fresh opportunities. After this disaster, the Florida land boom essentially halted in its tracks, Many newcomers weren't going to put up with another destructive storm. They packed up their belongings and left. Banks were bled dry. Local businesses were crippled. Entire towns were abandoned. Building projects were halted mid-construction, leaving unfinished structures dotting the Florida landscape.
2: And yet, for the people who remained, nothing was done to prevent the same thing from happening again.
1: At the time, most people believed that a storm that size couldn't possibly hit the same area twice. Those who stayed by Lake Okeechobee were certain that they had already endured the worst Mother Nature could throw at them.
2: And for some, like Henry Martin, the worst wasn't even that bad. His fields had been partially flooded, but thanks to new pumping technology, it was easy enough to restore his land. He was optimistic that if another large storm hit the area, the pumps would save them again. But his wife, Bessie May disagreed.
1: Bessie knew that the Martin clan had gotten off lucky, but this would happen again. And when it did, she didn't want to be there to face it.
2: Henry reassured his wife and children that it was all going to be fine. A bigger, stronger dike was being built to protect them. It would be an imposing 5-foot-high, 50-mile-long wall of muck. This dike would not break. Henry Martin was sure of it.
1: Henry was so confident that he doubled down on his business ventures. He bought a tractor to help sow the fields. He opened up two dry goods stores and he invested more time and money into the burgeoning community around him.
2: By 1928, just two years after the hurricane, the area was rejuvenated. New roads from West Palm Beach brought more people to the lake. Electricity and telephone lines were installed. The devastation of the storm was nothing more than an unpleasant memory.
1: With so many new residents, The area around South Lake Okeechobee had grown enough to become its own town. Under the stewardship of Everglade's local Walter Greer, the town of Belle Glade, Florida, was incorporated on April 10, 1928. By September, Belle Glade was a hub of activity. Besides Henry Martin's two stores, there were two bustling hotels, a gas station, and plenty of houses, shacks, and neatly plowed fields.
2: Soon all of it would be underwater. After the 1926 hurricane, people like Henry Martin were certain such a powerful storm wouldn't hit the region again. And many of the newest residents hadn't experienced a hurricane at all. But had they known more about Florida's geography, they might have been more apprehensive.
1: Jutting out from the mainland, The Florida Peninsula is uniquely situated between the warm waters of the Atlantic Ocean and the Gulf of Mexico. Because of that, it's extra susceptible to dangerous weather. Hot winds, swift ocean currents, and warm jet streams all contribute to putting the area in the direct path of powerful storms.
2: Having lived in the area for hundreds of years, Lake Okeechobee's Seminole people were all too familiar with the dangers hurricanes posed. When the warning signals went up in 1928, they were the only ones to evacuate the area.
1: The people who elected to stay had too much faith in the power of their own community. For many of them, Lake Okeechobee had provided so much. It was something to be loved, not feared. But on September 8, 1928, the source of Belle Glade's prosperity would become the agent of its downfall.
2: That day, an arid wind from the Sahara Desert blew over the Atlantic Ocean. The heat caused the air pressure to drop, drawing moisture from the roiling seas. The rapidly forming clouds rose high into the atmosphere, twisting in a vicious circle from the howling wind. Pushed westward by the unceasing jet stream, this was more than a mere tropical storm. It
1: was a hurricane still feeding off an ocean of warm water. And it was very hungry. The first report of the storm came on September 10th from sailors on the SS Comac. Still 900 miles from the Caribbean, the storm was still a ways off, but that just gave it more time to grow in force.
2: As dawn approached on September 12th, the islands of Dominica and Guadeloupe became the first victims of the hurricane's wrath
1: the storm showed no mercy. Sea walls were smashed. Buildings and crops were destroyed. The islanders did everything they could to survive, but at this point, the hurricane was category three, meaning its winds were between 111 and 129 miles per hour.
2: And for the sailors out at sea, there was nowhere to take shelter.
1: In the waters near the Virgin Islands, the SS Matura was struggling to stay afloat, Captain Richard Harich fought through the high-cresting waves and heavy rainfall. Horridge had never experienced such high waves. Water crashed over the bow, until...
2: The ship broke through the clouds into the bright sunlight. The sea still swelled, but the air was calm.
1: The SS Matura had entered the eye of the storm.
2: This was only a temporary reprieve. The barometric pressure was 27.50. Normally, it should have been somewhere around 30. It may seem like a small difference, but it was the lowest air pressure reading Captain Harich had ever seen. This was one of the most powerful hurricanes in recorded history.
1: And there was nothing the SS Matura could do but ride it out. The ship crashed through the wall of the storm, rolling hard through each wave. Somehow it didn't sink.
2: But just because the hurricane had spared the Matura, that didn't mean it was done claiming victims. After passing the Virgin Islands, the storm turned west-northwestward. It was headed for Puerto Rico, inching ever closer to the U.S. border.
1: After this, the hurricane makes landfall in Puerto Rico and then turns its fury on Florida. Now, back to the story.
2: September 13th, 1928, was supposed to be a special day in Puerto Rico. It was the feast day of St. Felipe. But for 18 long hours, the island was caught in the throes of a hurricane.
1: During that time, the storm caused unthinkable damage. Hurricane historian Jay Barnes gives an anecdote about the terror faced in Puerto Rico. Quote, Many deaths were caused by zinc roofs flying through the air like scythes. Sand was hurled from the beaches and blinded people's eyes. Lightning crashed constantly, and there was the continual roar of thunder and the crash of falling debris.
2: In the initial storm, 312 lives were reported lost, but many more, possibly thousands died in the ensuing weeks due to disease and starvation half a million people were left homeless.
1: The San Felipe Segundo hurricane wiped out Puerto Rico's renowned coffee crop, destroying $15 million in estimated revenue, over $200 million today. Because of this single storm, Puerto Rico would never be a major exporter of coffee again.
2: Until Hurricane Maria in 2017, the San Felipe Segundo hurricane was officially the most damaging hurricane to ever hit Puerto Rico.
1: And once the storm left Puerto Rico, it turned its fury toward the Bahamas and then the coast of Florida.
2: As the hurricane neared the American mainland, the people of Miami feared the worst. They were still recovering from the hurricane two years earlier. If the city was hit again, it would be game over.
1: However, hurricanes are highly unpredictable, and in this case, Miami got lucky. The storm swung east toward the Bahamas, leaving Miami out of the worst of its path. It seemed like the danger was disappearing into the Gulf of Mexico.
2: A small bulletin in the September 13th, 1928 edition of the Palm Beach Post said as much. When Henry Martin of Belle Glade read the bulletin, the danger seemed so far off. It was going in the opposite direction of Lake Okeechobee.
1: But in reality, death was right on their doorsteps. On September 14th, Miami forecaster Richard Gray stated, the recurving of the storm will take it east of the Bahamas unless it changes its course.
2: And change course it did. The next day, weather observers finally realized the storm might make landfall. The headline of the September 15th edition of the Palm Beach Post read, Florida may feel the storm's path. Present course will bring hurricane to lower coast Sunday.
1: But even after that headline, the Post was still reporting that there was a chance the hurricane wouldn't hit. This confusion led many people in Florida to assume the storm wouldn't be a problem.
2: But by the next afternoon, a chilling and ominous sign was raised across Southern Florida, the hurricane flag.
1: The hurricane flag was a black square inside of a larger red square. When two of these flags were raised, it meant a hurricane was coming. Back in 1928, before storm sirens or TV news, it was one of the only ways to inform people of an impending storm in real time.
2: But this last minute warning barely gave the people living along Lake Okeechobee time to prepare. The storm was on top of them before they knew it. All they could do was take shelter, hunker down, and pray.
1: In Belle Glade, Henry Martin and his family tried to prepare for the worst, but hoped for the best. Henry remembered the hurricane in 1926. Dangerous, but not catastrophic. Maybe this one would be the same.
2: His wife, Bessie May, wasn't taking any chances. Once the hurricane flag was raised, she started boarding up the lakefront windows. But the fields were already starting to flood with rainwater. They couldn't risk staying in the farmhouse for long.
1: Bessie May loaded up their eight children into a car, and they headed for a more secure location, the family's dry goods store in town. Henry was already there, bolting up the windows. As she drove away, Bessie May gave the farmhouse one last look. It would be the last time anyone ever saw it standing.
2: Even before Bessie May arrived, neighbors were crowding into the Martin's dry goods store to take shelter. Henry took them all in, passing around coffee and blankets and hanging kerosene lamps as the sky darkened. Everyone settled in for the night, sleeping on chairs or tables, ready to ride out the storm in safety.
1: But even inside the sturdy building, Henry and Bessie May's 16-year-old daughter, Annie May was nervous. The wind was howling like a wolf outside. She could only hope that the walls were strong enough to keep the whole store from blowing down.
2: Even as the wind shrieked, Henry's mind was on his fields. If they were destroyed, it would cripple his finances. It would be nearly impossible to recover from that kind of damage. But there was nothing he could do about that now. All he could do was take care of the people he loved.
1: After he finished hanging lamps inside, Henry risked venturing out to take a look at things. Outside, he ran into Lawrence E. Will, the local gas station owner. Like Henry, Lawrence had lived through the previous hurricane. He was convinced that everything would be fine this time.
2: But Lawrence's optimism was misplaced. The storm was getting worse, and it had yet to even bare its teeth. As the sky grew darker and more violent, Belgrade's Mayor, Walter Greer, went outside to inspect the lake and the dike. The waves were lapping up high, just a mere two feet from the dike's top.
1: But even in such dire conditions, Mayor Greer was convinced the dike would hold. It had to. He couldn't imagine what would happen if it broke.
2: To reassure the town's frightened residents, Mayor Greer went to Henry Martin's store to give an update. He told them that radio reports said that the storm would veer away from them.
1: The reports were wrong.
2: By 3 p.m. on September 16, 1928, the power in nearby West Palm Beach failed. By 5 p.m., there was no running water. Even in safe shelters, the conditions would turn dire.
1: By 6 o'clock, Lake Okeechobee had risen by at least three feet. Water was flowing over the lower points of the dike. Canals and rivulets were flooding. The rivers flowed together over the flat-lying fields and formed new lakes amid the crops.
2: Mother Nature was reforming her land. The man-made dike was overtaken, and cultivated fields returned to their original forms.
1: At 6.45 p.m., as lightning crashed loudly above, the words everyone had been dreading were finally said aloud. In the Glades Hotel, a crowd of listeners huddled around the radio. Through the crackling static, a voice announced that a monstrous hurricane had landed right over West Palm Beach, Florida.
2: It was too late to flee the area. Many had left their houses exposed and vulnerable. Some of them ran back to build up fortifications, but most had nowhere to go they were trapped.
1: As the hurricane moved inland, the winds shifted direction, curving in a tight circle, sending its powerful winds to the southwest. As the gusts twisted over the lake, the water was pushed directly against the dike, the town's only protection.
2: The water piled up on top of itself and formed a dome some 12 feet high, overtaking the five-foot dike. It was only a matter of time before it gave way.
1: It was almost impossible to even hear the thunder over the roaring wind and the pounding rain. Henry Martin listened as the wind threw debris against the store's roof, the scrapes and scratches echoing over the people gathered inside. And then, in a moment,
2: the wind subsided. Was it over? Henry had to see for himself. He cautiously stepped to the front door and held out a flashlight. Squinting into the night, Henry could see the nearby canal had flooded and was filled with debris.
1: Instinctively, Henry looked down. Water had started to seep through the floorboards. Something wasn't right.
2: Suddenly, in a great boom of fury, the wind roared back to life.
1: For the first time all day, Henry was scared, truly scared. Water began rushing into the store. He could hear his wife and children crying out behind him. He realized they weren't going to survive the night.
2: Thanks for listening to Natural Disasters. Next week, we'll track the various residents of Bell Glade and Palm Beach, Florida, as they struggle to survive the hurricane.
1: You can find more episodes of Natural Disasters and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify.
2: Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Natural Disasters, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Natural Disasters on Spotify, just open the app and type Natural Disasters in the search bar.
1: And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time.
2: Natural Disasters was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kerry Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Freddie Beckley, and Joel Stein. This episode of Natural Disasters was written by Ben Fleck, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, and stars Tim Johnson and Kate Leonard.